Good morning, this is Henry Harris. Welcome to another Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health. Today's topic, how do we act good, feel good? Then the question is, how do we feel good? That's, just, that's today's topic, but first we're going to begin with our customary intro. What, what do we mean by the spiritual foundations of mental health? What is your mental health, your mental well-being dependent on? It can look and feel that your mental well-being, your mental health, is dependent on a whole variety of things, uh, circumstances, uh, aspects of your personality, whether you have strengths or weaknesses. There are people who have strengths and they have more well-being, and there's people who are flawed or underdeveloped or misdeveloped, and they have uh, they're they're prone to distress in a much greater fashion, it can look like our upbringing or the circumstances or our personality are the actual determinants of our spiritual, of our, of our psychological well-being, of our mental health. And I'm going to suggest to you that, that in fact, our mental health is, our, is, is, is independent of our moment-to-moment felt experience. In fact, our felt experience is coming from something that is deeply whole and deeply healthy, even though it can feel quite unsettling and distressing at times. That's just the way that our psychological experience works, that we are designed as human beings to be on the receiving end of an ongoing divine energy. There's a flow of energy that's flowing through every everything in this world, everything in creation. Everything is sustained and created anew, moment to moment to moment, through this flow of divine energy. You and I are not different. The exciting thing about being alive, about being a human being, is that it's not just our physical, physiological uh, health. It's not just our bodies and their functioning that are being maintained moment to moment through this miracle, through this gift of kind of renewed life source. We're also having a renewed psychological experience. I'm having new feelings, new thoughts flow through my consciousness moment to moment to moment. They're not necessarily visible to me. I'm not conscious of the fact that there's a new, uh, new energy new divine energy showing up and animating my consciousness. It looks to me quite frequently that it's the circumstances of my life that are shaping and kind of affecting my moment-to-moment experience. Um, Whether it be an encounter with a child that's not listening, or it could be a a memory of an event that's unpleasant, or a uh, kind of coming up to a task that I feel... Uh, incapable of or challenged by, all of those things can look and feel to me to be the direct cause of my psychological experience. And while I'm not looking to dismiss the reality of there being events and circumstances and um, things going on out there, I am looking to point to something simpler as an explanation for how my experience is being shaped. And that what I found is what I found is that, 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 that there's a tremendous potential for freedom there. If I'm not actually dependent on the world out there to, to go a certain way or to show up a certain way in order for me to have psychological uh, a, a, an experience of well-being, an experience of kind of 
ease. If I'm not literally dependent on that, that means that I'm free. I'm free of that. I'm not, I'm not being shaped by those things. Now, the question then becomes, well, what am I being shaped by? Why is it that when my child doesn't listen or I recall a memory of a difficult or painful past or I face a challenge or a task that I, I feel uncertain or, or um, incapable of, then why is it that those things arouse uh, distressing feelings? Well, the truth is, if we were to look closely, we'd realize that they're not, it's not so simple that they always equal a feeling of distress. There's, if we look more closely, we realize that we're not always uniformly, consistently feeling the same way every time. When my children don't listen to me or they fight with one another, I don't feel the same way every single time. When I recall an event in my past that it was not a, a highlight, a high moment, I don't feel the same feeling each time. There are times where I feel gripped by a feeling of of embarrassment or shame or difficulty, but then there are times where I don't, right? Now, what is that? What is that that we can point to and say, hmm, identical circumstances, different felt experiences? And that I'm suggesting to you is because it's not the it's, it's not the circumstances. It's not the information of a memory. The information of a memory is, is the information of the memory. This happened, this happened, and this happened. That's the information. The felt experience of that memory varies. And I'm suggesting to you that that has to do with the nature of the energy showing up in our heart-mind moment-to-moment. And it's moving. It's, it's, it's not static. It's kind of ebbing and flowing, it's constricting and, con- and contracting and expanding. And again, as I'm experiencing it, I'm not necessarily, I'm not conscious of it necessarily. I mean, there are times where I do, I do, I, I've seen it enough to know, okay, okay, I'm, I'm, there's something about this feeling that I can know it's not directly the circumstances, like I'm entering into a, uh, I'm standing in a bit of a of a narrow frame of reference. Like the world feels and looks tight to me. It looks it looks troubling to me. I know something about my state of mind right now. That is, uh, first of all, it's a simple truth. It's just the simple truth. If we look and we see that we're not consistently feeling the same thing in the same circumstance, just that openness to that truth is very powerful. And then we can start to kind of be with those feelings in a more meaningful way. We can be with those feelings to the degree that the feelings represent a truth, a true description of, of, a, of a dark and dangerous world. It's going to produce fight or flight. I mean, it's just the nature of the human, a human being faced with what per- is he perceives to be actually dangerous will go into a fight or flight mode. He will he will become aggressive or alternatively he will he will flee neither the fight nor the flight th- those are basically two expressions of one kind of worldview reaction those aren't constructive i mean there are times when they're constructive you know if if you're facing god forbid a, a truly violent scenario or a truly threatening financial or physical circumstance um it is helpful to have fight or flight but to the degree that we're living in the, in the midst of kind of a flow of different feelings, 
and those feelings take on a, a, uh, uh, those feelings kind of look menacing. They look like a real description of a dark and dangerous world, and yet they're not. That that becomes that that becomes a problem. Human beings don't do well living in fight or flight response um, continuously. You know, we're 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 not meant to 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 be fighting fly, fleeing all the time. It's not good for our personal well-being. It's not good for our relationships. It's not good for our capacity to 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 be with the journey of our life. The journey of our life is very much involving the freedom to be with what is showing up in our lives. And the more that we understand the truth, the simple truth about our, our flowing feelings, the more we see the well-being, the health that resides even in the fluctuations, even in the volatility of our own emo- moods and emotions, even in the capacity to get kind of parked in a dark feeling. There is health there. There's absolutely, we are continuously connected to that source, and that source includes the possibility of insecure states and contracted states of mind. There is no contradiction between those states of mind and those feelings and our sense, our well-being, our actual mental health right now. That's the beauty of this understanding, is that there isn't really anything to do per se to acknowledge that we are um, right now informed by this divine energy. We're informed by this beautiful divine wisdom. There is no contradiction between there being this divine energy source and our insecure feelings. None whatsoever. We do tend to participate in a way that's mistaken and we can exacerbate, prolong, deepen the experience. But but all of that just begins with the, the recognition of how human it is to be mistaken about the world. I, I love the metaphor of the child, of the toddler encountering her shadow and becoming frightened. There's a real dark shape on the floor. There's no mistaking that. You cannot argue that it's otherwise. There is a dark shape on the ground. And guess what? When the child moves, the dark shape moves after him or her. And to, to a child who doesn't understand the nature of that shadow, it is absolutely menacing and dangerous. It, it looks that way. But yet it's not. And that's what we do. We do that as well. We get, um, we get a, a hit of emotional distress. We look around for like, well, what's that about? Oh, it's because I don't know how to do X, Y, Z. Oh, it's because I had this past experience. Oh, it's because I um, am missing ABC. And it's not so. The shadow is a real perception. The feeling of fear is a real perception. It's not like I'm suggesting that a person is not feeling fear. It's just that his understanding about what's true about that fear is really the problem. The child is, there's a shadow. The, the challenge that the child feels is not the presence of the shadow. It's his misunderstanding about what that, what's true about the shadow. And that's really the segue into this, this uh, today's topic, which is, you know, how do we act good? We act good when we feel good. The question is then, how do we feel good? I'm borrowing this line from the teachings of a wonderful um, uh, parent consultant and psychologist by the name of Chaim Ginat. He's, uh, students of his have authored some very popular works called How to Talk, so children, kids will listen and, and listen so kids will talk. Um, and he, he basically put forward this idea that kids act good when they feel good. 
Well, how do we assist kids in feeling good? By accepting their feelings, by making space for their feelings. It's, it can feel quite threatening for a parent to encounter a child who's um, living in distress or flying into anger or depressed. or That's, that's uh, unsettling for a parent or a teacher or for anyone whom you care about, who you see uh, suffering, not doing well emotionally. It, it can feel threatening and there's a natural inclination on the parent or the teacher or whomever to want to try and get the kid out of that space, you know, to convince him, no, it's not so bad, to point out to him why he's mistaken, to fix, etc. But at the, at the root of that is in some sense, th- th- those kinds of responses affirm, hey, there really is something problematic about this. The kid is frightened by the feeling he's having. The parents sharing that fear, it only kind of unconsciously strengthens the child's sense of fear. Not only is it a problem for me, it's a problem for my mommy or for my, for my, for my daddy to have me in this feeling. Boy, it's really bad. Whereas what Chaim Ginat points out is that when a, when a parent has the ability to be with the child's fear or the child's anger, wow, you're really angry. Wow, you are so upset. So and so did this, and you're angry now. You know that that simple act is a very deep thing. It's very simple and it's very deep. It's the parent modeling. I'm not frightened by your feelings. In fact, I'm interested in looking at your feelings. I'm looking. I'm interested in looking at your feeling and acknowledging the feeling, because I'm not frightened by it. I'm prepared to look at it openly without uh, without without needing to fight it or fly or flee from it. And then, lo and behold, the child kind of. Without understanding this on an intellectual level, the child encounters a certain equilibrium. The child encounters uh, a, a, a someone who's unsettled, I'm sorry, unfazed by his volatile feelings. And there's like a calibration that takes place, like two souls kind of calibrating. Wait a second, she's not afraid of my feelings. Yeah, I am angry. Oh, okay, what happened? And then the child looks at it, and then lo and behold, it moves, right? Because the design of the human experience is that the flow is flowing. The, the, the divine energy that is flowing and sustaining all of life, that's the constant, that there's a divine source behind it. The way it shows up in the form of our lives is change, shifting and changing, like the weather patterns that are happening right outside our door right this moment. They're not static. There's breezes and there's humidity levels and then in, in, in an hour from now there's going to be different breezes and humidity levels or precipitation or temperatures. There is a, a, a flow, a constant flux and yet there's a stability, a constancy in that it's all coming from a single source and it's safe. It's not dangerous. There's a beauty in being in these feelings, in being in the presence without the need to flee or to fight. And this is how we assist the loved ones in our lives. But of course, it's all premised on our own perception of that. It's all premised on our own capacity to be with that. I mean, I'm the first to acknowledge that I've seen miracles uh, show up from my ability to be with my children's fear and pain. And, And there are times where I don't know how to be with their fear and pain because I don't know how to be with my fear and pain about their fear and pain. I become, there are times where I become 
fooled by the sense of urgency, by the threatened feelings that I have, my child is absolutely a source of difficulty or his fear or his um, acting out right now is absolutely a threat to me. And I have to rid myself of it. I have to rid him of it. I must react and fix. So this is, this is interesting because obviously I'm not advocating for passivity or for zero responsiveness. There's, I'm, I'm a parent. I'm responsible to intervene in my child's life. I'm responsible to guide and provide direction and, and boundaries uh, to my child. But I'm looking to do so acknowledging that I myself am a human being experiencing continuous flow, experiencing um, moods and feelings and surges, and getting fooled by the nature of my experience. I'm a human being that regularly gets fooled by the truth about how my psychological experience works. So I get a surge of upset feelings. I, I'm, in the, I'm in the presence of my child's behavior, and I... I just put one and one together and make the make the conclusion it's his behavior that's my that's upsetting me and I need to squash it. I need to fix him. Now it's not to say that there isn't behavior needing to be addressed. There is, but it's 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 it begins with that realization that my ability to be of help to him comes first and foremost from my standing in the truth. He has access to this deeper truth, this deeper realization to a great extent through my having stepped in that and stood in that space myself. And I'm not always there. I'm not always there. I react. I overreact. I get lost. At some point I wake up to the fact that like, hmm, was that necessary? Did I need to express myself the way I express myself there? I don't know. I don't think so. You know, let's look at that. Let's understand that. And then with the gift of, of reflection and the gift of kind of knowing what I know and know and, and, and trusting that I'm well designed. I, the, 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 the same divine source that is creating my experience moment to moment is, has endowed me with the ability to align, to realign to to kind of reset and regain my rare awareness that I'm it's not an outside in world it's it's an inside out world I'm getting a flow from inside and I get confused and lost about it and there's nothing personal to it there's absolutely nothing personal about the the, the nature of getting fooled and I pick myself up I acknowledge that I kind of got fooled and I go and I address what, what needs to be addressed. There might be an apology. There might be a new conversation. Uh, I get to do that. You know, I get to do that. And, and so that's the message that I'm looking to impart today. The topic is how do, we, how do we act good when we feel good? Well, how do we feel good? By understanding the presence of our unpleasant feelings. We act, we are more likely to act good when we feel good and we are more likely to feel good when we understand the truth about our unpleasant feelings when there is permission for those feelings when there is uh, when there's understanding about those feelings the understanding of the human condition about those feelings that's how we get to that's how we learn to navigate 
That's the theme that we're coming back to over and over again. Once we glimpse the truth about our psychological experience, we realize that we're being um, we're on the receiving end of this divine life feed. We're not in direct control. We 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 don't have the ability to summon and shape our feelings uh, unilaterally. We have a beautiful role to play, a beautiful role to play. But the role is enhanced and strengthened. Our personal role in participation is in st- strengthened greatly by our awareness of the limits of our power. We there are things that we are not in control of, and to the degree that we think we are in control, we will easily become discouraged. And that discouragement will lead to a, a, a deepening fear and a need for, for, for the flight fight, for the fight flight. So that's our, 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 our presentation for today. Have a wonderful week.